blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? God of glory, who calls each of us beloved children, let us revel in your grace and believe in our belovedness, that we might truly trust that we are your forgiven and cherished sons and daughters. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. I recently told somebody that Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and I don't think they believed me. It can be a tricky letter, and my biblical commentary for today's passage openly acknowledged that it's densely worded and suggested that the congregation might be more in the mood for a parable. Well, I can't help loving this passage overflowing with superlatives, even if it is a bit of a theological maze in which one could get lost. I love that it celebrates everything that God has done and is yet doing. This lavish, excessive, enthusiastic outpouring of blessings. Paul's vision of salvation is deeply personal. Each and every one of us is chosen, adopted as God's beloved children. But this is also a radically universal vision. 
In the fullness of time, God will gather up everything into God's gracious embrace. Nothing will be excluded from the party, not in heaven, not on earth. Just as love claimed victory over the cross, this passage gives us permission to trust that love will always win. And all of this is because of Jesus. We are blessed in Christ, chosen in Christ, adopted through Christ, and we may set our hope on Christ. And I love that the assignment we're given by these words is at once simple and profound. We are called to live for the praise of God's glory. Or, as the message translates this phrase, we are called to live a glorious life. The author John Green recently penned these words. I don't believe we have a choice when it comes to whether we endow the world with meaning. We are all little fairies, sprinkling meaning dust everywhere we go. This mountain will mean God. That precipitation will mean trouble. We will build meaning wherever we go with whatever we come across. But to me, while making meaning isn't a choice, the kind of meaning can be. Again, those words from John Green. I think it bears repeating. We will build meaning wherever we go with whatever we come across. I can't tell you how many times people said rain on a wedding day is good luck on those two Saturday weddings I did in June. Making meaning is not a choice. The kind of meaning can be. The author of Ephesians is asking us to make meaning of ourselves and our world through the lens of Jesus Christ. This has implications. This means that when the voice of shame tries to convince us we are unworthy or unlovable, we can reject those lies and remember that we are forgiven and redeemed and loved beyond measure. This means that when the voice of division tries to convince us that it is acceptable to hate those who think or look differently than us, we can reject those lies and remember that everyone else is also a beloved child of God. This means that when the voice of despair tries to convince us that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, we can reject those lies and remember that God has a plan for the fullness of time. That everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. This means that when the voice of apathy tries to convince us that our lives are ultimately not very significant, 
that the way we spend our days does not have any eternal purpose, we can reject those lies and remember we are called to live to the glory of God. Last week I read a Pulitzer Prize winning novel called The Road by Cormac McCarthy. I do not know why I picked up this book. It is not beach reading, it is not pool reading, it is an infamously depressing book. It is basically the opposite of the Ephesians' vision of grace and glory. In it, a father and son wander a dystopian future, struggling to survive after the total disintegration of civilization. Food is scarce, and kindness scarcer. They must be wary of any strangers they encounter on the road. Yet the reason the book is so widely read is because even in the midst of a world emptied of beauty and apparently forsaken by God, there are glimpses of Ephesian blessedness. The boy is deeply loved by his father and loved in turn. When careless mistakes lead to additional hardship, forgiveness is freely offered. The boy is often adamant that they share what they have with fellow travelers despite the risks. The father throughout teaches his son, they have this enigmatic purpose. They are carrying the fire. Carrying the fire. McCarthy never spells out exactly what this means, but it is a hopeful mission. The pair is committed to remaining good. They are determined to retain their humanity. One might even borrow the language of the letter to the Ephesians and say that to carry the fire is to remain holy and blameless before God in love. They chose to live to the glory of God even when the presence of God was altogether obscured. And so, this brutal book becomes a parable of hope. Friends, we are called to carry the fire in our own lives. We are dared to believe that God's grace and love are true and transformative. We are summoned to become prisoners of hope, to see glimpses of glory on the sweetest of days, the bleakest of days, and perhaps hardest of all, the most ordinary of days. We are invited to bless the God who has blessed us. We must make meaning of our lives. We have no choice, and this biblical meaning dust is true and beautiful. May we sprinkle it upon our broken yet beloved world as liberally as God has lavished grace upon our broken yet beloved souls. Amen.